0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, and Blake Alderman is here with me today. Blake, I'm not going to lie, I've been listening to a, uh, a couple other podcasts this week, specifically our Tennessee guys, um, so I feel like I, I'm a whole new person, I've got some some new ideas on how to keep this a little more conversational, uh, but we're back, and uh, Florida, obviously, there's a lot to talk about. I think uh, first and foremost on everybody's mind is the injury situation, um, you know, Felipe Franks, uh, We we presumed on our last show that he would be out for the season, but it is official now, Felipe Franks will be out for the year with a fractured and dislocated ankle, and supposedly the timeline for his recovery is six months, but Blake, I'll be honest, that seems a little optimistic to me, just based on the injury.
2: Yeah, it seemed like a pretty bad injury, and I don't know. It seems, I guess, in best case. Um, I know a lot of times now, modern medicine, you know, injuries aren't quite what they were several years back. But um, I would think that six months is probably, um, probably a little, a little under <laughs> what I would think. Um, you know, I think that at that point we'll see where they go. But you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that stretches a little longer there, or maybe you know, unforeseen recoveries or whatever.
1: Well, we'll get to some of these other injuries later, but I think, you know, having said that about Franks, I think obviously at this point it's Kyle Trask's team, I think for the most part, you know, I would expect to see Emory Jones. We talked about it a little bit on the last podcast, um, but I wanted to kind of get into how we see this kind of thing playing out. I think for me, what I'm kind of expecting is Kyle Trask to really take the majority of the reps. You know, I thought what he showed in that Kentucky game, I think, was enough for me if, you know, if I'm Florida's coaches to say, okay, we feel pretty good about this guy and his ability to go execute. Um, I, I do think you, you'll you probably run into some issues during games, you know, where maybe he hasn't seen this look before or he's reacting to pressure maybe a little differently than you'd expect. Um, I think that's kind of where you bring in Emory Jones. You know, use him as a guy that you can get in there, maybe, maybe add something to the run game. Um, but also it gives the coaches on the sideline a, a little bit of an extra chance to coach Kyle Trask, you know? <laughs>
2: Sure, and I, I think obviously you're going to get some points where you know, you're going to go against a team that after a while, once you get a little bit more tape on Trask, you kind of see what's going on there. I, I think at some point you're going to have to throw some wrinkles in there. You know, throw an Emory Jones in there for some running type situations. You know, throw some trick plays in there to where you know he may pull, a, uh, you know, fake a run and you know throw a pass or you know just something to keep the defense on their toes. Because I just think at this point. You know Tennessee. Obviously, they're going to have some film of what they saw against Trask, going against the Kentucky game. Those, you know, that last couple drives there. But I think for the most part, you know, Kentucky kind of played some soft zone there. We've already kind of discussed that. So I don't think we exactly know, you know, the full extent of how Kyle Trask is going to, re- you know, react to some of these defenses for a full game. So I think after a while, you're really going to probably need to throw some some Emory Jones in there, maybe swap around some running backs, just some kind of thing, just to kind of make your offense a little different each week, just so you know you don't have all that. You know, game planning because a while you know you are going to find a defensive coordinator that's going to find ways to kind of shut you down. So Mm -hmm. keeping yourself from being one sided and kind of giving yourself some options, I think, is really what's going to help Florida as they go through an unexpected injury that happened.
1: Yeah, and look, look, I know a lot of people weren't necessarily sold on Felipe Franks, you know, in his production. I think coming off those last four games last year, everybody was very hopeful that he could kind of pick up where he left off, and I think. You look at some of the turnovers he had in the first three games, you know, maybe maybe he wasn't quite where fans expected him to be. But I think the thing that gets lost in all that when you're evaluating whether or not he's a guy that can lead you to championships is that Florida staff kind of knew exactly who he was at that point. You know, he had started 16 games for Dan Mullen and his staff. And so like like you're talking about, you know, when when Kyle Trask, there's some tape out there on him, how does he react? Florida's coaches, I think, already knew that for Felipe Franks. You know, he'd been against enough different defenses at this point where they had a pretty good idea. Okay, if the defense does this, you know, this is probably how Felipe is going to react and this is how we adjust to it. I think there's going to be a lot more on the Florida coaches plates at this point, you know, having to adjust things on the fly for Trask based on the different looks they're seeing. And I think more than anything, that's probably what you lose or miss the most with Felipe Franks out. It's, it's just that comfort level and that experience of the coaches knowing exactly what they're getting. Um, but also the team being comfortable, you know, knowing how Felipe is going to react or, or knowing how they're going to go along with it as a team. Um, whereas maybe you don't necessarily get that quite as much with Kyle Trask, at least initially.
2: Yeah, and, you know, Kyle Trask, it's been pretty well documented that he's kind of soft-spoken and he's not really this big vocal leader. So, you know, I think that in that aspect, too, he's going to need to step up and, and, and maybe take a little bit more initiative there because he is the quarterback. And I know that that's always been, you know, a, a kind of a feather in Felipe's hat that, you know, he's very vocal. The, as you could see from whenever the, he went down that, you know, the entire team was out there. He, you know, broke the team out. After, um, you know, the game was over, you know, he kind of broke things down for them. So, you know, I I think it shows that, you know, he's really well respected. And that's something else that Kyle's going to have to bring in there, too, is just kind of be a little bit more of a vocal leader on top of that, too. So I think it's it's a little bit of an adjustment period for everybody. Kyle's going to have to learn to kind of change some things in his game, prepare more like a starter and, and know that you are the starter at the same time. I think there's a lot of truth in what you say that, you know, they have enough body of work under Felipe Franks to know, you know, what makes him tick, you know, how he can kind of tweak some things in their game. So, you know, I think to an extent you could even make, you know, the argument that we've kind of reset the season here. You know, they're kind of starting from game one.
1: Well, and I'm kind of curious to see, you know, you mentioned the leadership aspect and how Trask, at least to us, seems a little bit more soft spoken. I was actually pretty surprised when, you know, Florida had the Felipe Franks injury. There were some guys on the sideline that were kind of getting after each other. I think ESPN even reported on it during the game that there was kind of a scuffle or a little fracas between offensive players. And it was Kyle Trask was one of the guys that got in there and kind of, you know, calmed things down, said, hey, guys, let's go. Um, so I, I thought that was impressive. It was not, you know, especially in that situation, uh, maybe not something you expect. But the more you read about Kyle Trask this week and, and, you know, different people talking to different people close to him from the recruiting process, high school coaches, seven on seven coaches and all that. I think you do get the sense that maybe, you know, maybe this timid, you know, modest mouse kind of thing is maybe a little bit overblown. That maybe Kyle Trask, that's you know, that may be his persona in the media, but maybe he's a very different guy behind the scenes. Um, I don't think you're going to get the rah-rah type, you know, shushing the fans, um, you know, that type of stuff from Kyle Trask. But I don't think necessarily that um, that he's not going to be able to lead. I think that that he's shown some positive signs already, Um, and I think. I think the other thing that's interesting is I thought the offense kind of rallied behind Kyle Trask. You know, it was like, it was almost like this, okay, well, we lost Felipe. We knew what was going on with him. Um, It it almost seemed to me like the rest of the team kind of took it as, okay, well, Kyle's, you know, this is his first real big situation. We need to step up. Um, You know, part of it was Kentucky playing soft coverage, but I did think the O line protected a little bit better when Trask went in. So maybe they, you know, maybe the rest of the guys on offense look at this as an opportunity to say, hey, we need to step it up for this guy. You know, he can't, we can't. We can't ask him to do everything, whereas maybe there was a comfort level, I think, to some degree with Felipe being able to extend on his own and make plays, you know, make those winning plays when they needed them. I think, uh, you know, if you're Florida, you hope that your guys take that as almost a challenge and come out there and really kind of battle for Trask.
2: So basically, someone needs to just twist his ankle and kind of give him that. Uh, there you, know, you go, man. Trask popped up, man. He popped up looking like he was ready where's, to fight. I watched the replay.
1: Where's Tennessee's Cash Daniel, man? Sign exactly. him into the game, and Florida's in good shape. But, uh, yeah, Blake, let's get to some of these other injuries because I think, you know, Felipe is obviously the big one. But there's some other guys that could have a significant impact, particularly in this game. Um, The latest we've heard on C.J. Henderson and Jabari Zaniga, both of those guys are battling ankle injuries, is that they are most likely not going to play this week. I know Henderson in practice this week, um, he's typically a guy that stays after, you know, at practice and is really working with some of the other guys. He wasn't really doing much after practice, which is very, very unusual for him. Um, And then based just kind of based on what we've heard talking to people, I know Bob on the site has kind of reported that uh, it's unlikely for both of those guys to play. Blake, what kind of impact does that have on Florida's defense?
2: You know, I think from watching the game, I thought you could really see the absence, excuse me, the Kentucky game. I thought you could really see the absence of Jabari Zaniga on the defensive line. It just didn't really seem like they were getting the same kind of pressure that we've seen with him in there. I know Jonathan Grenard, too, after the game, he had a boot on. He was slightly dinged up, too. I I believe he should be ready to go for this game this week. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but, you know, without Zaniga, I thought that Florida's defensive line did kind of take a step back and they weren't getting that kind of pressure, which you could also probably give a little bit of kudos to to Kentucky's offensive line because they were a pretty well unit as well. So, you know, I guess going forward, I have been more comfortable from what I've seen with Kyrie Elam stepping in for C.J. Henderson or Chester Kimbrough in the back end as far as maybe someone trying to fill in on the defensive line. I thought that, you know, from the secondary pre- point of the game, I, I thought that Cagher played fairly well for being a true freshman, whereas I thought there was a step back when Zuniga took, you know, wasn't in the game on the defensive line.
1: Yeah, no, and I, I think particularly in a game like this, I, I don't necessarily expect Tennessee's offensive line to be quite as good as Kentucky's. And they start um, two,
2: two true freshmen as well.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I think you'll be able to maybe get away with it a little more than you were last game. But I think you're right that, you know, Zuniga's a guy that they really count on. I think he's one of the top five players on the team. Um, you know, he's a guy that consistently can get edge pressure against the pass, but he's also extremely sound against the run. I will say, in Jeremiah to, to Jeremiah Moon's credit, I think he's been much, much better at that this year. Yes. Kind of setting in the edge against the run. And that's something he kind of struggled with before. Um, so, you know, he's a guy that's going to have to step it up if Zaniga can't go. Um, I think Grenard, obviously... He's going to have to have a big game. And I think this is the kind of, yeah, I feel like every year against, you know, Tennessee, Florida has a guy that's going to like be capable of bringing up three to five sacks. And this one, to me, you know, Grenard has that written all over him for this game.
2: Sure. And I think to some extent, too, I think you need to see Zach Carter, who had a really good fall Mm -hmm. camp, who was really impressive in the spring. This is the time where I think you're going to see him counted on with Zaniga out. And this is where he really needs to kind of show that production. You know, he's put on a lot of size. You know, there's no excuses for him not to have a successful game other than just, you know, going out and not having
1: one. Yeah, well, he hasn't gotten a ton of snaps, and I think part of that is because, you know, Zuniga does tend to slide inside, particularly on pass rush. But, uh, you know, with Zaniga not being there for those inside snaps, I do think you'll see him a little bit more. You know, Florida's interior guys, I thought, against Kentucky, got pushed back a little bit. You know, I thought Shuler did a pretty good job. Um, But Kyrie Campbell, that's an area he still needs to get a little bit better taking on double teams and not giving up ground. And I think when you look at Zach Carter physically, I'm I'm glad you brought him up because he's a guy that really has to take that next step um, but some of the other injuries, you know, obviously Felipe Frank's out for the year. Kadarius Toney most likely going to miss this. Well, he's going to miss this one. He's out with a shoulder injury. Um, so you're talking about, I mean, that's four starters for Florida. And I think the concern is, you know, depth overall. You know, these are SEC games. You never know who's going to go down. Um, we've seen a little bit in the secondary at times that they can get a little vulnerable back there. I think, I think that they're developing in the right way. You know, Kyrie, let me imagine, is I think played really well. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more out of Trey Dean still. But for the most part, Florida needs to stay healthy. I think one guy coming back that could make a big difference is linebacker Amari Burney. He's supposedly probable this week. And I thought, you know, as as good of a game as David Reese had last week between the tackles and really helping to stop the Kentucky run game, he got picked on a little in coverage. And I think that's that's an area where if you have an Amari Burney, you feel a little bit more comfortable about maybe going Bernie Houston or, uh, you know, Bernie. Miller in there and, and both of those guys probably are a little bit better in coverage, so it'll be good for Florida to get him back um, Blake, I wanted to toss it over to you real quick before we take a break here Go ahead and give us the latest on recruiting and um, you know if there's any visitors in town that we should be keeping an eye on this weekend
2: Thomas I have a first since I've been covering recruiting this weekend and I know it's kind of strange <laughs> now But I actually have my first prospect from Australia that is making his way to uh, Florida this weekend for an official visit in punter Jeremy Crawshaw.
1: Is he is he super inked up?
2: No, actually he's not. From the okay. pictures from the pictures that I've seen of him, he is if you're thinking of uh, Australian punter as in Miami's guy, absolutely yeah, not. not Miami's uh, guy. Okay. You're you're thinking a little smaller. Um compared to that but yeah it's my first uh first australian punter um that'll be making his way for a visit he's part of pro kick australia um they kind of help some of these punters and kickers and whatnot from over in australia which has become kind of a popular spot for you to get your specialists from um that you know they kind of help them get acclimated to college football you know juco however way you want to do that and florida's going to be bringing him in for an official visit this weekend and i think that just shows that you know I don't know if there's any more Townsend brothers down the line, but right now, Florida has not really had to worry about that just because they've had a little bit of a family tradition there. So, this is really them just kind of addressing that spot um, because, as you've seen over the years, that, you know, the field position has really kind of helped Florida in a lot of their games. And, you know, this is just them kind of being proactive of that. As far as where he's leaning and offers and whatnot, man, I I know Florida has offered him. uh, But other than that, I really will be kind of getting my first feel when I get to talk to him after he leaves that visit. But, you know, from what I've seen, um, I think that him taking that official visit, um, Florida's obviously in this recruitment and I think he's a guy worth following, um, kind of the fallout there. And I'll obviously have a little bit more on that after this weekend of, you know, maybe future visits, a timeline of whatnot. Those are kind of the unknowns for me. Um, but other than that, you know, Florida's going to have, you know, uh, pretty much a lot of their commitments, um, on campus this weekend, which they've done a pretty good job of that. I think the one guy that jumps out as far as the commit list is four-star defensive end Antoine Powell out of Virginia. He'll be making his first visit to Florida since that official visit of the summer, and he uh, committed, I believe it was in June or July, um, when he made that commitment. So this is a big chance to get them back, him back on campus. Um, you always kind of wonder when you use those early official visits, if you're going to be able to get a guy back on campus out of state for an unofficial um, and he'll obviously be there and he'll get to spend the weekend and whatnot and, and kind of, you know, just get another feel. He hasn't visited the other schools. Um, I'll have an update if that's a plan of his from the, as far as I know, there isn't a plan of that. Um, another to big time target for Florida, uh, wide receiver. Them having a lot of upperclassmen in the uh, on the roster currently. It's it's a really big need for them, and they're going to have a four-star um, down in South Florida and Brian Robinson, um, who has been high on Florida, but just hasn't made a visit in quite some time. So this is really kind of a good chance for Florida to get in there and you know let him get around this new coaching staff. Um, From where things stand now, Florida State has been the leader in his recruitment for a while, but I think at this point we're seeing Florida State's season kind of getting a little bit foggy again, not really any answers there. So I think you're kind of starting to see a team like Florida that is kind of coming off a bigger season last year um, and currently sitting at 3-0. I I think you're going to see him start to look harder at Florida. Penn State is another school that I think is trying to get some push in there. And as far as 2021 guys – um, Trevante Rucker, four-star out of, uh, Ocala, uh, Vanguard, a former commit and Bryce Langston, same thing, same school. Um, they'll be back on campus again. I believe this is their second time on campus. If not their first, it's their second, um, on campus for, uh, for a game. So I really like where Florida sits with those guys. They don't seem to be in a rush to make a commitment. Um, again, a couple other 2021 guys, James Blackstrain, a wide receiver from down in South, uh, excuse me, out in the, uh, like Melbourne area, um, same high school as, uh, uh, who was it? Um, I can't remember who it was, but a former F- Florida player went to his school as well. Um, so yeah, Florida really really sits well in there. Another defensive end, Keanu Coat, um, really likes Florida. Florida's going to have a 2021 Miami commit and Savion Collins, who has visited a couple times on campus. Um, so yeah, I think the 2021 list is looking a little bit solid compared to the 2020, but you also are dealing with some guys dealing with homecoming. You have ACT this weekend. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. a noon game against Kentucky, which is one and two. So I think uh, a lot of that, Kind of has to do with it hurts you getting some of these guys on campus, but for the most part, I think Florida is going to have some really impressive 2021 guys on campus.
1: Marcus May, that's, that's your guy. I didn't Marcus want to interrupt May, you. Was, you're, you're no, in flow, I was in the zone, man. That's your Melbourne he, guy. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. That's who it was. Marcus May went to the same school, and, and I think that Florida probably does lead for Black Strain right now, but overall, he doesn't look like he's on fire. But I would say Florida is probably the team to beat there, and he, he's a freak, man. He, he's a big, big wide receiver, 6'3. Um, he's got some size, some speed, and that's kind of the guys that Florida likes to recruit at wide receiver. So I would say keep an eye on him. I don't think he pops this weekend, but I do think that Florida is probably in the driver's seat.
1: Awesome. So a lot of big visitors on campus this weekend and, uh, obviously Tennessee will bringing, will be bringing 70 of their own. And we're about to break down that matchup on the other side of this commercial break.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue.
1: Welcome back to the Swamp Twenty Four Seven Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, and I'm here with Blake Alderman. Let's get into it, Blake. Florida, Tennessee—maybe um, not quite as hyped as as some years. You know, I think Tennessee's been a little bit up and down. Obviously, started off one and two, and um, but they're coming off a nice win. You know, they're coming off a shutout win. So, I guess first off, Blake, um, what's your impression of this game, where it's at, this rivalry, and um, should we be expecting a competitive game this weekend?
2: You know, I think it could be competitive if you see some of these, you know, these depth issues and some of these these injuries that Florida's dealing with when you're coming in with a relatively um, injury free Tennessee team. I think that if Florida doesn't kind of jump out to an early lead and kind of lets them linger around, that's whenever you start to get in trouble in games like these. But I think overall, uh, they're also coming in and they're going to start two true freshmen on their offensive line. Florida obviously made quick work of some true freshmen against Miami and had a lot of success, you know, getting back into the backfield. And, uh, you know, I think Garantano, um, he's a guy that has flashed for Tennessee over the years, but I think there are times where if you do get in his face – You know, as mobile as he may be and as big as he may be, he does you know struggle with you know some guys getting back there. So I think that that's kind of the X factor of this game that I'm watching. Um, It's just Florida's defensive line, which is you know a little banged up with Zaniga possibly not ready to go for this game or expected not to be ready to go in this game. I think that that's kind of the matchup there because, like you said earlier, I think Gernard is going to be that guy that's going to need to step up, you know, and kind of wreak some havoc back there because if you get Tennessee out of rhythm, you know they've shown that you know if they get down in some games, you know that they struggle to get back.
1: Yeah, well I think Garantano is one of the big keys. You know, he really didn't play that well against Georgia, uh Georgia State or um or BYU. You know, I'm looking at the numbers seventeen to twenty-eight against BYU, uh threw a pick in both of those first two games. And really, you know, Tennessee won forty five nothing last week against UT Chattanooga, but he only threw the ball eight times. Um so and and Tennessee's numbers in that game honestly don't really jump off the page. Um I think for Florida though. I think you got to be cautious. I think, you know, Florida players talked about it a lot this week. Um, but you never you never know like when guys are talking about taking an opponent seriously, whether like them talking about it kind of like, you know, instills the idea that the opponent's actually not that good. I yeah. know against like like against UT Martin, they're like, "Oh, we got to, you know, we got to treat this like any other opponent." And then you saw them come out there and they were kind of flat and Dan Mullen said, you know, he felt like in the first half they didn't they didn't really take that opponent the way they should have and didn't really play up to standards. So, I think you got to be careful, man. I'm like, I'm looking at Tennessee's roster and I I see some serious playmakers. I mean, Marquez Calloway, Juwan. Sure. they
2: recruited well over the years. They have talent. There's talent there.
1: And if you look at our 24 seven sports team composite based on, you know, how guys were recruit or rated as recruits, Tennessee actually has more talent on the roster than Florida right now. Um, so I, it's not a matchup that, you know, you can take lightly. I think, um, I think this game always, in some ways, comes down to turnovers. It seems like every time Tennessee comes to the Swamp, they they manage to just make a mess of things. And I think if this Tennessee team manages to not do that, I think we could have a pretty close game. Um, a couple things that stick out to me, I, you know, cornerback Bryce Thompson is going to travel for Tennessee. They haven't specifically said he's going to play, but the fact that he's traveling is big news. You know, he's obviously one of their best players in the secondary, and that secondary has really, you know, been prone to some busts. And I think When you look at Florida's receivers group and a guy that's probably going to get the ball out a little quicker than Felipe Franks with Kyle Trask in Now, I think that's, that's a big one for Tennessee to get him back. You know, uh, obviously Theo Jackson's played pretty well for them in the secondary. Um, But I think for Florida, you you really kind of got to watch that matchup. You know, I think more than anything against Tennessee, really on both sides of the ball, I think it's going to come down to a lot of these individual matchups and who can go out there and make plays, you know, I thought Marco Wilson was a little susceptible to that against Kentucky, you know, with Wagner. Obviously, he's a very, very tough cover. Um, but when I look at this, Florida needs to win some of these one-on-one matchups against Tennessee.
2: You know, and I actually watched last year's Tennessee game, Florida-Tennessee game last year. And one of the things that I guess I overlooked just from watching the game last year that, I don't know, at least just jarred my memory, was that C.J. Henderson and Callaway, on the uh, Marquez Callaway, they, they battled all night. You know, that was <laughs> a tough battle. Um, so, you know, obviously not having CJ Henderson and you've kind of wondering what Marco Wilson is going to try out there for Florida. You know, he's been a little up and down too. You know, you could possibly, you know, have even Kyrie Elam matching up against him against one of their better wide receivers. So I think that that is one of those key matchups too, at least on Florida's defensive side to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like I said, the Tennessee numbers don't jump off the page. They're 85th in passing offense, 59th in rushing. Um, but I thought you started to see some signs maybe against UT Chattanooga that they could get things going. You know, the running game was a little bit better. And I think Ty Chandler has always been a guy that that scares me, man. Um, you know, he's he's just an explosive playmaker, um, you know, and, and I think Florida's run game or sorry, Florida's run defense. Like I said, if, if Jabari zaniga can't go, all of a sudden you start to worry a little bit more about, you know, whether you can defend runs to the outside and to the edge. And I think, um, you know, obviously, David Reese is sound in the middle. But that's gonna be something you really have to keep an eye on in this matchup, I think. And if, if if Tennessee is able to establish the run, obviously that makes things a lot easier for Garantano.
2: Yeah, I think for this for this game, you know, like you said, I, I think you really did hit the nail on the head as a as a team, you really do have to stay inspired because playing inspired defense is what makes you dominate your opponent. And if you take them lightly coming in, you know, you look at the records, you think, oh, man, they, these guys have been getting trolled by Georgia State for like three weeks now. Like, we've got this. I, I just don't think you can have that mindset coming in here because these are the games that can catch up for you. You know, if you keep them hang around, hang around, you know, that could always come back to bite you.
1: Well, and Florida started slow. I mean, every game this year, they they really right. haven't gotten out to a quick start. You don't want to wait
2: until the second half to wake up and kind of put your foot down.
1: Exactly. And I think this is one of the games where Florida's coaches are going to have to have a good game plan because you don't, not only do you not want to start slow, but you don't want to come out and have Kyle Trask feel like he needs to press right away or, you know, even lose confidence if you, you know, if you don't have things drawn up right. Um, Blake, looking at the Tennessee defense, I I know that the numbers are not great, um, but really when I look at it, it's really been more about busts. They've really given up a lot of big plays, and it's like they'll do things really, really well for like three plays in a row. And then on the fourth play, it's just like a total mess, um, which to me is I, I don't know exactly what the issue is there. Um, but I think that Florida's going to have the chance to potentially make some big plays if they can scheme things up. And I think I don't know that this is a team you necessarily try to you know just run the ball inside. I know Florida is going to do that some no matter what, because that's the way Dan Mullen runs his offense. But when you look at what Tennessee struggled with in the first two games, I really think option, you know, if, if Florida can run the zone read, that speed option, um, I, I think Tennessee really struggles with that. And they're, I think that's down to assignment football, where Tennessee kind of struggles with that. So I'd like to see Florida, you know, get that involved in the game pretty early. And if that means you get Emory Jones in there, then so be it. Um, but I, I think that's one way you, you probably take advantage of Tennessee.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I just don't know that we can really count on Florida's run game at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously being at home, you know, they, I, I do agree with you in that, you know, that late in the Kentucky game, that offensive line really did kind of get to play a little bit better and did start to get some push um, and, and gave Trask some time there. So I think you're going to really need to this offensive line is really going to need to be awake for this game um, just because, like you said, putting in that quarterback for his first real start. um, You know, the best thing that Florida can do is to jump out ahead of them because, like you said, Tennessee has plenty of guys that could keep them in this game as far as a talent. It's just if they're going to show up together because on the defensive side, you know, like you said, busts have been their big problem. And I just don't know that Florida has shown enough confidence in their running game to really know that, you know, yeah, yeah, LaMichael Piron is going to come out here and just run all over these guys, and I just don't think that they've shown that yet. So I think this is the chance where you can bring in Damian Pierce, kind of a change of pace, someone who's going to hit the hole a little bit harder, maybe break a couple tackles. And I think that, you know, obviously – Emory Jones is kind of a big key there too just because his running ability has always been kind of the thing from him from the jump You know coming in as a recruit. He always had a lot of things to work on from the passing game it's pretty similar in some aspect to Felipe Frank's just kind of absorbing and reading a defense And I just don't know that he's been quite there yet But he is a dynamic runner and he can really hurt you with his legs
1: No doubt and I'm actually a little curious too to see how Tennessee opts to game plan this one defensively Because we I think we talked about it on the last podcast most of Florida's first three opponents have not been very aggressive getting after the passer. You know, Miami kind of just spied Felipe Franks. Um, Kentucky was a little bit closer to that, but for the most part, Florida hasn't really faced a lot of pressure on the pass rush. And when you look at what Jeremy Pruitt likes to do defensively, I think you're going to see much, much more aggressive pressure. Um, I, I think, especially when you look at the Kentucky tape and, you know, Pruitt's had a chance to review that Trask was pretty good when you sat back in a soft zone so I don't know that Tennessee is going to do that, and that's that's again where I go back to the fact that you know Tennessee has some busts. I think a lot of that is because they're aggressive, and when you're aggressive, if one guy misses his assignment in the back end or doesn't set the edge, that's when you're susceptible to the big play. So I think you know Dan Mullen said that they're going to take whatever the defense gives them, and they've really done that so far this year. I think that's part of the reason he doesn't seem quite as concerned with the run as I think a lot of fans and maybe we are is because you know the passing game's been pretty good so far this year the numbers are good there so i think kyle trask this is going to be a game where he's going to have to throw the ball up some and, and let his receivers try to take a chance against a tennessee defensive back and i think when you when you look at the matchup that way i think you feel pretty confident about florida's ability to do that i would expect van jefferson probably sees a big uptick in targets with trask under center those two just seem to have a very natural connection to me um but I would like to see more of Trayvon Grimes, too. I don't think he's been involved enough early on. I know Florida doesn't necessarily target specific guys, um, but if you're looking for a guy that that you can maybe use to take advantage of Tennessee and some of these matchup issues, he's a guy I'd probably throw it to a couple times deep down the field just to test them out.
2: Yeah, I think if you're dealing with not being able to have one of your better cornerbacks... Um, for the game regardless. We don't we don't quite know if he's gonna play We know he'll travel but I, I think whenever you have a guy like that with some size and Trevon Grimes I think that it's always a hard guy to match up for I mean look at uh, you know Marco Wilson last weekend dealing with his struggles You know kind of going against a bigger receiver So I think that that can really be kind of a key too, you know if and when you know they aren't able to have one of their better DBs
1: All right, Blake Well, we didn't necessarily talk about it before the show, but I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot How do you see this game playing out and if you got a score prediction? That's great. If not uh, kind of your general outlook for the game.
2: You know, I, I think we're going to start seeing some of these slower games. You know, I think that if Florida can't get there, at least until I see a, a capable running game, I think we're going to see some of these slower games to where, um, you know, it kind of drags on a bit. You know, Florida starts out slow and then maybe starts to pull away some in the second half. I think we're going to kind of see them continue to stick to that script. Um, I mean, if you put me on the spot and made me think of a score, I mean, I'm thinking like 28-10, something like that, some mm-hmm. kind of score in that way. You know, I just don't know that Florida has shown that they're just going to sit there and run it up.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think, uh, I mean, I said it maybe a couple of weeks ago even. I, I think Florida is going to be a team that's going to have a lot of tough SEC games against maybe even teams that it maybe would have traditionally blown out. This Florida team, just they're not executing at a high enough level. And I think, like you said, it starts in the run game. Um, until you can consistently establish that, I just don't think you're going to have the, the dynamic offense that Dan Mullen wants to have because they really get going as play callers once the run opens up. And without that, I think you're going to see a lot of games that are kind of a struggle. You know, it's funny. I know uh, you and Bob last week on the site picked a little bit bigger win against Kentucky, and I went lower. You know, I went with a much lower score, uh, a lower margin, and and that's kind of how it played out. And uh, I I I used to drink a
2: lot. Sorry.
1: (laughs) I'm kind of in the same. I'm in the same boat here. Like, I don't I don't see this being a blowout. The only way this one turns into a blowout is if uh, there's a lot of turnovers, you know, and and that's true either side. I, I, I will say. I think for Tennessee to win, it has to really win the turnover margin, like probably pretty handily, um, or Florida's just got to really, really make some mistakes. Um, I think Florida, you know, I know that the talent in terms of recruiting is similar, but I trust Florida's coaches a lot more. I think Florida's skill position players have the chance to be the difference in this game. But look, Juwan Jennings is really good. Marquez Calloway is really good. We haven't talked about Tennessee special teams. They've been excellent this year. Um, This might be one of the few teams that actually has a better special teams unit than Florida when you look at kicker Brent Samaglia and and you know the punters obviously doing a, a fantastic job as well. And then you got good return guys. So I think th- there's a lot in this matchup that makes me think it could be fairly even. I think at the end of the day, I think Florida being able to kind of coach Kyle Trask through series and then probably get to the edge. I think the game plan for this one offensively for Florida is going to be get to the edge because Tennessee's secondary and and you know their entire defense really has been prone to busts when you're out in space. So I think that's going to be the plan. I pick Florida to win 31 to 20. I could see that being lower. I could see that being uh, a little bit higher if there's turnovers. But But, um, you know, it's going to be another interesting game. I think this one's going to be a big measuring stick for the Gators because I think, you know, Tennessee is going to send a lot more pressure at Florida on the defensive side of the football. And how Florida's offensive line handles that will be interesting. How Florida adjusts to Kyle Trask as a new starter will be really kind of key to watch. And then look, Florida, Florida can't afford to have many more injuries. So I think, you know, those are the things kind of to keep an eye on this weekend. But, you know, I'm excited. Another week, another SEC football game, Blake, Um, unless you have anything to add. I think that'll do it for us today.
2: I love noon games.
1: Noon games are the best. We get to go home and watch football and then we get to get to the podcast a little earlier than Monday. So we'll be back, guys, Sunday afternoon, breaking down the game. That's going to do it for us on the Swamp 24-7 podcast. Thanks for tuning in.